As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Coors Light. I'm Jason Goff, and I am joined by Rob Schaefer, Casey Johnson, and Sam Smith. Coming up on the show, we'll discuss the Lakers championship run. We'll discuss the bubble. Billy Donovan is clearing the decks and bringing in all new assistants. And we'll talk about the evolution of basketball. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness. And packaged cold for peak refreshment. Because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. Welcome into another episode of the Bulls Talk Podcast. I am Jason Goff, and I am joined by my teammates, Casey Johnson and Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago and NBCSportsChicago.com. And we are joined by uh, a, a piece of Bulls and NBA and Chicago media history. Anytime, anytime we get a chance to talk to Sam Smith, ladies and gentlemen, we, uh, we cherish those moments. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is this will be a, an open discussion, not only on the Bulls, but what we uh, we took in this this past week or so in the NBA Finals. Uh, but how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. I'm glad to participate. Um, and uh, like I, I was telling you, I'm available. I think till February, March. When's the season starting? <laughs> <laughs> It, it was it, last night, guys. It was it, it dawned on me uh, at the very end when the Lakers are jumping around and you know they're, they're celebrating their championship. This season started for anyone covering the Bulls, you know, first game October seventh, two thousand nineteen, and here we are, you know, a full three hundred and sixty plus days later, and and the season is coming to an end. Sam, w- when we look back on this, not just historically but personally for you, what what will you think and say and know about this season? Obviously, there's been mothers aside from the pandemic. Obviously, that that's a big part of it. But what what stuck out to you about this season? Uh, one thing I'll stand out is uh, that Adam Silver uh, eliminated eight uh, eight a quarter of the league, including the Bulls. So that's one uh, that's one element. So if I'm LeBron James, I feel like he can only claim three quarters of a title. Uh, this year because uh, eight teams were not allowed to uh, finish their season. So it seems like an incomplete season. And uh, also it occurred to me last night that uh, Dwight Howard finally delivered a title to Orlando. Uh, Something he said he would do many years ago. So so, um, I was excited about that uh, element as well. Um, so, So there are just so many. So many things and excitement. Uh, you know, it, 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 obviously, it's an extraordinary circumstance because of the, you know, a year calendar year, as you mentioned, and, you know, stopping and starting, uh, doing all in one place. And so you can make 
you know, you could make judge arguments about, well, it, it was harder because of this, but it was easier because of that. Um, but, it, 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 you know, like the lockout seasons in 99 and 11, you know, it, it'll just stand on its own for what it was. You know, the Lakers in the end, you know, outlasted and beat all the other teams. And so they, you know, deserve to be the champion and they're, they're a deserving champion. Um, it was just hard. It was hard to keep up because it occurred when so much else was going on yeah. um, between, you know, baseball playoffs, NFL. Uh, I knew Casey's watching golf constantly. So, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it kind of distra- detracted from June when it ought to be. But, um, and, and, you know, beyond beyond that element, beyond that, I, I still, uh, they finally got down the playing toward the end, but you know, I thought, I thought I liked the, actually a lot of the basketball was really lazy the way they just went, you know, arc to arc pulled up and shot threes and sort of trotted back. The last couple of playoff games got a lot better. You know, finally the Lakers last night woke up and said, you know what? We've, we've got six guys taller than anybody on their team. Let's go to the basket for a change. And so, um, you know, I think that is something that will be adjudicated over the years. And I'm not a big fan of the, of the evol- way the game has evolved, you know, with all the, with all the perimeter shooting. Not that I'm against threes, mm-hmm. just that, you know, just that the, the extent of it, when you, when you see teams – you know, like Boston when they were losing, just sort of pull up, shoot threes, and nobody goes to the basket. They back up, but that's not the question you asked me. I, 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 just, I just had to say it. No, I can dig. I don't really remember what the question was that he asked you, Sam. That was like the longest well, answer you know, ever. <laughs> you, you know, I don't, I don't talk in sound bites, and that's why no one ever invites me on these things. Oh, no, don't do that! Don't do that. You can this come. is a podcast. We got all day, brother. But uh, <laughs> hey, I, that's your I mean, problem. <laughs> what, what, what I would say, uh, the headline in that, Sam, for my takeaway there is that you think the Bulls could have beat the Lakers in the finals because you said that they didn't, you know, play against the full state of the league, but I, but I digress. No, here, here's the thing that I say about um, the, the people saying there's an asterisk to, the, to this final. And I think Sam, you make a good point about how this is just a standalone event. No, no one on, no one knows what it was like to, to be in the bubble for that long, except the teams yeah. that were down there that long. So it's an accomplishment and achievement in that context. And it, and also the, the, the last thing I'd say is, you know, they still beat, every opponent in front of them. They're, they're still the champion. I don't care. You, you can asterisk as much as you want. The Lakers were the best team in the NBA restart. They beat every opponent in front of them and probably were, you know, picked by a lot of people in the preseason to be champions anyway. So uh, all credit to them. I, I think, uh, I think obviously LeBron and AD were a good match and uh, they deserve, they deserve to be champion. Rob, your thoughts on what you've, consumed the last couple of weeks as far as finals basketball and playoff basketball and the season finally coming to an end. Yeah. I, I don't know how I follow, um, follow all that, but, uh, in the, you know, it, I, I thought it was an entertaining playoff. Um, I don't have a ton to add other than I congratulate, uh, Los Angeles for their 12th NBA championship. I think that's, um, a big accomplishment for, for that city. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right, Casey, about it being an, an achievement in its, in its own right. Um, you know, Mark Eversley, when we talked to him a couple weeks ago, he even talked about the the mental rigors of uh, of the Bulls bubble. I mean, imagine being 
um, down in Orlando for, for over a hundred days. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting debate whether you put an asterisk on it or not. Uh, at the end of the day, when I think of this season, it, it'll probably just be uh, LeBron dominated the, the takeaways that I have of it, which um, seems to be how it was, it was destined to be. It, it feels kind of fitting and poetic that such a random scattershot all over the place year um, ends as inevitable seeming uh, as it did. So um, that's what I'll remember. And, uh, and a sincere congratulations to the league and everybody involved in putting on the bubble and covering it um, and everything along those lines. It's, it really is a feat, you know, all jokes aside. Um, and I was grateful that they were able to put it on and not, um, you know, at the same time, not shy away uh, from some of the, the grander moments going on in the world and, and kind of embrace that aspect of it and uh, shine a light on those things, live up to that. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought there was a lot to love about it. Um, I can't complain for having uh, gotten to experience the end of this basketball season. Now we just wait for whenever the next one starts. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Rob. The execution of what we just witnessed, I thought was uh, damn near flawless in terms of having that many people, you know, who were also working on the grounds and making sure that the testing was going on and not just to mention the, the organizations and the players and, the, the broadcasting, uh, you know, entities. I mean, this, this was a big deal and they pulled it off. And, you know, the, the biggest news that came out of it were two bench players, really, right? Lou Williams and, and Daniel House in terms of protocol and some of the other things. Uh, and as you mentioned, them uh, using their voices to, to affect whatever change they feel that they can affect from a bubble in Orlando while their platform is still uh, beaming out to, to millions across the world. I, I want to ask you this, Sam. You've covered some of the greats in, in this sports history. Uh, and, you know, we already did the podcast on how you should go about the Michael Jordan, LeBron uh, debate. I, uh, I choose not to try. Well, I try not to engage in it anymore in terms of who's better and who's worse, because I feel like you know, that's not the way I want to consume it going forward. But today, I, I, you know, when you celebrate or when you uh, – you talk about a championship involving LeBron James immediately, the Michael Jordan stuff comes out, whether you like it or not. Uh, how do you choose to consume LeBron James's career as a guy who covered Michael Jordan, as a guy who's covered LeBron James, as a guy who's covered some of the greats that this game has ever seen? How do you consume uh, this, this next great career? Um, and, and more books than LeBron, I guess. Um, he, he obviously, you know, that's you, you guys called and you mentioned the and, and we know, you know, every time LeBron wins now or gets to the finals, whatever the occasion might be, uh, it becomes this inevitable debate. And, you know, you know, I'm sure it's been on ESPN all day and uh, any number of places. And it, and, and it probably becomes tiresome, you know, because of the repetitive nature of it. Um, and, and obviously, the, you know, because it's just personal opinion uh, and it's subjective, it, you know, it, it's not something, uh, you know, that, that, that could be classified, uh, you know, scientifically. But this is the, the way I, I, I sort of mentioned something about it the other day when I was answering you know, some Q&A uh, sort of offhand. But the difference, and, and it's... You know, the difference to me, it's not, it's, I remember in 93, it was, a first, it was one, early in that season, 93, 94, the first season after Jordan left, uh, Kevin McHale, I think was coaching Minnesota then. 
and uh, I know it was McHale. So, uh, obviously, all that season, the, the game was, you know, Michael's not here. What What's going to happen? What do now? And, and, and McHale, who's always great, you know, and it's great on TV. He said, look, five years from now, nobody will remember his name. And we didn't think he was coming back. But, the, but McHale's point was, there's always somebody great who comes along next. Be, being they can, you know, from in the history of the game, you know, from Elgin to Oscar to Will West, on down Kareem, whatever. And, and whatever, whatever next generation, you know, sees that guy, generally appreciates him. You know, there's a whole generation of, of fans were saying, well, you know, Kobe's better because they didn't see Michael as much as they saw Kobe. And, and so it comes down to basketball achievements. So there'll be, there'll be somebody, LeBron probably, you know, is helping remarkable. We'll probably be able to play at a high level and, 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 you know, exceed Kareem's all time scoring lead, but, but somebody will come along, somebody will come along and basketball wise will achieve that. What separates Jordan and a few others, Babe Ruth, Ali is to me is the impact on society that, that Michael had, Michael truly had, you know, in, in clothing and looks in, uh, you know, people just wanting to see it. Uh, as great as LeBron is, people don't turn on to just, uh, I've got to see what LeBron's going to do next. Great player and everything. Don't take anything away. One of the, you know, top five or six of all time, whatever number you decide, in, you know, in your listing. But he doesn't, he doesn't transcend the game like Michael did, like Babe Ruth did in his time, like Ali, what, you know, uh, I added Jackie Robinson in my own list. You know, because of the effect they had on people and the effect they had on non-sports fans. And there's been no basketball figure that, I, that I, I've been watching since, you know, Wilt and Russell and saw those guys play and Oscar. And there's no figure in basketball in this 70 years or whatever that I could, be, that I, I could point to and it said had, had, has had a bigger impact on society and the world and the game than Michael Jordan. So whenever the debate comes to that, it's easy for me to choose, say it's Jordan, because it's not about he's got six titles and he's got four and every time he went and, he, and, and, and there's all these statistical breakdowns and you can pick out, you can cherry pick any stat you want and pick one over the other. That's fine. But you with me, you can't surpass what Jordan meant. No matter, no matter. It, it, nobody wants to be like LeBron. Nobody can be like LeBron. He's such a phenomenal physical figure. It's amazing. But that was like Wilt. You know, Wilt used to say. I just remember Wilt would always complain about nobody likes Goliath. You, you know, the, and and Wilt was not a popular figure. The irony was back then Russell was such a miserable person to the media that they didn't like Russell. They liked Wilt, but, you know, so it was an ambivalence, you know, with that, what what was always complaining about not being appreciated enough, even though he was always the one who was more, you know, more accessible to the media and Russell was always difficult to deal with, but was always with the most successful team. And then, and then if you want to just break down numbers, you know, neither Michael or 
you know, LeBron has what Russell does as far as wins and those Celtics guys has what Wilt did as far as scoring and dominance in the game and uh, don't have what Kareem does as far as, um, you know, uh, as far as all-time scoring records. So, you know, there's so many ways to judge it. But, you know, we're always going to be protective of Jordan. And to me, that's always the best case you could make about Jordan because he had, uh, you know, such, such a transcendent impact that LeBron really can have or hasn't had. It's funny because I, the, the, the way I asked you the question was, how do you consume his career? And we got to you know, talking about Mike and talking about Wilt and Bill Russell and all the accomplishments and accolades. But in terms of the way maybe you watch Magic Johnson or the way that you watch someone who wasn't Michael Jordan, uh, what what do you think stands out? And if you're going to if you were to close the book and it's not closed, obviously, he's got a couple more seasons, a few more seasons to play. We'll see. But what what about his game do you enjoy either covering or watching the most? Uh, I, I mean, you're talking about LeBron, right? Yeah, that's yep. That's what we've been talking about. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of LeBron. I, I, always have been, and and uh, you know, it his it's sort of it's sort of his overall dominance of of, of the game. The only player, the player that that most reminds me of that is Oscar Robertson. Now, Oscar didn't wasn't as successful as much, and LeBron wouldn't have been in a similar situation, you know, Oscar was competing against the greatest dynasty of all time with the Celtics, you know, 11 titles in 13 years, eight in a row, you know, what they got eight hall of famers on the team at the same time or something. Um, and he wasn't allowed to add anybody. Uh, in fact, there was one and he played for, it's never mentioned much, but it was really a, a very racist franchise. Oh, owned by the mob actually. And it was one year where um, they had had, they had, they literally had gone over their quota of black players uh, and they traded, but it was the best year, the best chance year they had to beat the Celtics in that run of eight straight. And I think they traded Bob Boozer in the middle of the season uh, for a white player uh, because the, the community was complaining about too many black players on the team. And um, the white player was not, he was just, you know, a role player kind of guy. Uh, and it, Boozer was an all-star and it can severely lessen their ability. You know, LeBron was not able to win until he was able to pair himself up with, um, you know, Wade and Bosch. Uh, Anthony Davis now, whatever the case. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, have any issue with that. I think that's fine. I, I, I'm glad the players have the freedom to do that. They were denied it for so many years, and I encourage that. I, I liked when Kevin Durant went to Golden State. I had no problem with that. He, you know, he was condemned for it or whatever, and I, I think that was great. You know, he, he had to choose where he wanted to play, and so uh, LeBron's been able to do that. Uh, Oscar never could. He couldn't add another. He never played with another great player, but his overall dominance of the game, that he was able to average 30 points while being the best playmaker in the league, you know, leading the league in assists basically, and also a double figure rebound, you know, averaged, 
wasn't, you know, he averaged a triple double one season, but if you combine his stats, he averaged a triple double for his first five seasons combined. And, you know, LeBron reminds me of that kind of player where he, where he can control, you know, he's not, you know, he's not the best shooter, you know, skill wise. Like if you looked at Larry Bird, you say Larry Bird's skills better than LeBron's at almost anything. Shot better, you know, more spectacular passer, handled probably better. Um, you know, so you wouldn't point to LeBron and say, well, he's the best at this. But the way he is so dominant, you know, so effective at so many different things uh, and, and so much he can deliver to the team whatever it needs at the time. Um, you know, historically to me that, that ranks with someone like Oscar, who's very unappreciated because nobody's seen him and there's no film or whatever. But, uh, you know, if you see the numbers, uh, the consistency of that, and he, he was more, more athletic than people like to believe because they saw him later with the Bucks and he was heavier and slower, but you know, in his prime with Cincinnati, um, no, he, he 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 controlled the game like LeBron controls the game. KC, a lot of Chicago Bulls ties and a lot of Chicago ties in this finals. We talked about it for a couple of podcasts, but now uh, with Rajon Rondo being a guy who's won uh, titles with the two most historic franchises in the game, Jimmy Butler putting all his talents on display and pretty much just seemingly running out of gas there at the end. In game six, you got Talon Horton Tucker and Anthony Davis, both from the city of Chicago, who are now champions. Which which Chicago angle or Chicago Bulls angle sticks out the most to you or was the most fascinating for you to watch? Malik Allen, assistant coach for the Heat. No, wait, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I mean, Jimmy, to me, uh, playing at that level uh, was probably the biggest storyline, um, you know, it is funny that two of the three alphas uh, from the lone uh, three alpha season at the Bulls were in the finals. And then Dwayne Wade is shouting out Rajan uh, last night on Twitter saying he was the difference in the series. So really all three alphas were represented. But, you know, I, I do think um, I got to be honest, you know, as as great as Jimmy played uh, throughout the playoffs, I did not see what he did in the finals coming. I just didn't uh, to put up two triple doubles and obviously to go blow for blow with LeBron in, in game five was pretty special stuff. Um, and, and, you know, obviously he deserves all the credit. He's put the work in and, and found the right, the right fit for him in Miami. And I think that just kind of accentuated his, his best attributes. But, um, you know, I, I just, I, I think that, I think the bubble uh, in some ways benefited the Heat. Um, they're a pretty singular-minded franchise, um, and uh, you know, given that the bubble was kind of the great uh, equalizer or the great, you know, open space, uh, they were able to kind of find the rhythm in that. You know, Jimmy is already talking about how he let the Pat Riley and Spolster down because he didn't deliver on his promise for a championship, and they'll be back. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they do have some a chance to add some some pieces this off season, but uh, I don't think they'll enter next season as Eastern Conference favorites. That that's just me personally. So, uh, for him to play at that level was was probably the biggest storyline to me. Rob, it's kind of interesting because this was the year that the boogeyman kind of wasn't in the Eastern Conference, whether it be nine years of, of LeBron doing what he was doing, 10 years of that, or uh, Kawhi Leonard last year in Toronto. Giannis Antetokounmpo 
uh, is there, has a step to take, obviously, as we saw in the playoffs. But next year, you got the Nets and you got the, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant led Nets, I should say. You got the Boston Celtics a year, a uh, year older, a year wiser. You got that Toronto outfit, which always is tough. And you got Giannis, who's getting ready to answer some questions. Uh, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to what this Eastern Conference is going to look like next year. And as KC said, I wouldn't be banking on Miami to make it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the landscape that the Bulls are getting ready to step into in terms of this this being a, a an open uh, and, and competitive conference once again. Oh, man, quite, quite the chasm between some of the teams you just listed and, and the Bulls, I would say. But, um, yeah, I, I think my only thought, listening to you say that, um, kind of the absence of the boogeyman this year is that Jimmy kind of became the boogeyman to, to an extent. Um, he was that kind of that, that singular focus, that singular drive, um, the two-way impact. Uh, the feats of Herculean strength that we saw from a guy like Kawhi Leonard last year, obviously it doesn't end in the title in the same way uh, Kawhi's did. Um, but yeah, like, like everything you mentioned, Casey, just hugely impressed by all um, the stuff he was able to pull off. I, I think there's a lot more unknown um, than maybe we're giving it credit for. I, I don't know how to assess um, what a team like Milwaukee is going to look like going into next year, because you would have to expect that they would make uh, moves to kind of augment pieces around Giannis. Um, I don't know what to expect from a team like Boston. That's probably going to be making more marginal improvements and just expecting um, another step forward for their, for their core, but their second or third best player in Kemba Walker is a guy that the playoffs kind of showed um, as impactful as I think he is. And as great a player as I think he is, you can game plan for him. Um, and he's on the wrong side of 30 and has had uh, nagging knee issues and things like that. So I, I don't know how you project them. I mean, the nets, obviously a lot of question marks around, the viability of um, building a championship winning team around uh, two mercurial guys and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on its own. And then you add in uh, the Achilles injury for Durant um, also on the wrong side of 30. Um, so, so there's still so much unknown to me that I'm really not willing to bump the heat out of um, the highest echelon of contention there. I, I know the bubble, uh, there's a lot of randomness that goes into it, um, but I just don't see, I mean, you know, Jimmy aside, I just saw so much from their core that I don't know why I wouldn't take that young core of guys like Harrow, who obviously um, hit his share of obstacles in the finals, but I still think the, the takeaways from that postseason are wholly positive. I don't see why you don't look at a team with, with him, with a guy like Duncan Robinson. Uh, Bam, it didn't look himself after he came back. There's no way around it. Uh, but I think healthy going into next season um, is a real impact, you know, superstar level guy potentially. Um, as a number two option. So I, I'm not willing to bump the heat out of that top tier yet. I know there's a lot of kind of too early power rankings and, oh, title odds for next year already coming out. And that, and that conversation is already um, kind of being pushed. But, you know, as much as the bubble benefited them, I mean, they roasted that Bucks team in five games. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was as high on the Bucks all year as anybody. Um, but I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I can't put away um, the, the awe that they inspired throughout their run. I'm not saying I'm picking them to win the East next year. I'm not going to pick anybody to win the East next year because it's uh, what day is it? I mean, maybe we normally would in a normal year, we might be picking an East winner on October 12th, uh, but this year we are not. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that top four is really, really wide open. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to break down, analyze um, and all of the above. Um, whoever the bull, you know, if the bulls, I think are obviously in a different tier of, of competition than that. If they're in the seven or eight seed uh, next year, it'll be fun to see you know, who's knocking them out in four or five games in the first round. 
Um, and that, you know, hopefully that's a step forward for, uh, the bulls young core. Um, and if that were to happen uh, and all those things along those lines, but yeah, I, I think the East is going to be as wide open as anything next year. I mean, the West, I think you could say the same thing with, if you expect steps forward from Denver, if you expect the Clippers to run it back and, uh, come back with a little bit more resilience, the Lakers are only getting better. Um, so, you know, yeah, all time level of play, I thought in the bubble towards the end of the season. And I wouldn't expect that to drop off going in the next year, provided, um, we actually get there and people get the necessary amount of, you know, layoff between now and next season. Yeah. I think that Clippers thing might be cooked before it's even ready to be served, but that's yeah. something for us to, uh, to, to converse about going forward. Casey, uh, and another, you know, I won't say stroke of, okay, this is different, but this is different. You know, Billy Donovan is the hire. He comes in and he he picks a whole new staff. Was seemingly is, is picking a whole new staff. Uh, usually, we've seen transitions where one or two guys or girls stay on from the previous staff or someone that the organization uh, is fond of. Uh, what do you make of this? Is this is this status quo NBA and just different for the Bulls, or is this a whole new frontier for uh, the Karnashovis Eversley led organization? I think it's both, Jason. I mean, uh, this is another signal that, you know, this is not obviously the, the old regime um, and that this new regime of Eversley and Karnaschovas and Billy Donovan is going to do things how they want to. And ownership is obviously giving them the money to, to make whatever changes they see fit. I would assume at some point, whether that's this offseason or, you know, into next offseason, that's also going to involve, you know, some potential people in the front office or the scouting department and or a build out that department. I know the player development staff will be built out over time. So um, yeah, this is a significant commitment because everybody uh, was let go today on the assistant coaching staff, except for Chris Fleming, who has obviously those previous ties to our tourists from their shared days in Denver. Um, you know, Billy had a pretty static staff in Oklahoma city. Maurice cheeks was one that was with him for all five seasons. There are a couple other guys that were there for multiple seasons. So I'd assume some of those guys will get, um, looks, um, and, and really I would just comment the only mild surprises to me, uh, it, it, and they're mild just in the sense that I've covered this franchise for so long, like Sam and, you know, I'm used to kind of how the old regime did business, um, would be Karen Stack uh, because she, she dates to, you know, 1985. Um, she was one of Jerry Krause's actual first hires uh, as his longtime administrative assistant and, you know, ran things in the basketball senior director of basketball operations for a long time and handled a lot of the travel planning and things like that. Um, and then made the switch to the coaching side a couple of years ago. You know, you'd think kind of like in the old regime, you know, maybe she'd, there'd be a position for her in the organization. I know that she loved the coaching transition and is going to be looking for opportunities to continue coaching. So that might have something to do with it as well. And then just from a strictly basketball standpoint, the only mild surprise is Nate Lenzer, who's a pretty, you know, doesn't have a huge role, but to me, it's a pretty critical role in the sense that he's very well liked by players, particularly Zach Levine. And his option uh, was just picked up in May. They faced that decision when Boylan's, um, future was still uncertain and it was I was told it was Arturis himself who picked up that option um, because Nate's also a pretty strong uh, guy in player development so you know not earth-shattering news but that Ooh. that one I, I I would I would I was probably leaning more towards that he would be coming back than than not uh, you know the Dean Cooper the Ray Rogers and the uh, and the Karen at least Karen from a coaching standpoint didn't really surprise me 
Um, but yeah, just, uh, this is a new era in Bulls basketball as we've been <laughs> getting reminded of almost constantly with this, with, with all these changes. Sam, the, the picking of the coaching staff. Yeah, I, wanted to, I just wanted to add to that. Uh, you know, I, th- I think Casey, I think Casey was right. And, and I think the change is, you know, Billy Donovan, that I think those, you know, Karen or Nate, I, I think, uh, Car- Car- Arturis was comfortable probably keeping them and left it to Donovan. And I think it, it's clear and, and it's not, you know, untypical that, you know, a new boss comes in and says, you, you know, he, he wants his, you know, his staff, his people. And so, you know, it sounds to me, and, and I really was not aware that, you know, what was going on. I haven't been following lately. Um, because of the shutdown and everything. And, you know, we're barred from the Advocate Center. Haven't been down to the United Center for months. Um, you know, that Donovan, you know, when he, when they replaced Boyland with him, he got, you know, a, long, a long-term commitment. They basically were saying, look, you know, you do what you want. And, you know, they, they gave him uh, the go-ahead to do that. And then I think that, you know, that changed the landscape. What do you think the coaching staff, uh, the assembly of the coaching staff can denote to Bulls fans in terms of if you see it filled up with a lot of uh, developers or people that may make this a more attractive destination? What do you what do you think we're going to see here, uh, Sam? I thought that was a false narrative and really unfair. You know, they they did development. They did. I mean, I mean. They had, you know, Casey would attest, Rob, you know, every time we walked in there, coach was working with somebody, was teaching them, was doing something. And so don't, don't put too much stake in what assistant coaches can or cannot do. Some are just there to be company of the head coach. Um, most of them don't work with players when they are developing, frankly, in my view, because I think most players develop on their own in the summers. Uh, uh, I think development is, it's something that's nice to talk about, um, but it doesn't happen uh, quite as much as, as you'd like to, as you'd like to think that they, that they undevelop, uh, you know, Laurie marketing, you know, when he went back, you know, the, the, the coaches on the staff, Nate and others, you know, who are working with players were, were working to develop. I mean, they were, they were working with them all the time, you know, and we've seen that for, for, for years. So Billy Donovan is going to add the people he's comfortable with, you know, be it, you know, Maurice Cheeks, who is a hall of famer from Chicago. That'd be great. We love Maurice Cheeks. One, one of the best people around the NBA. Um, but I, but I wouldn't, I mean, I'm sure they'll talk about it. But to me, it doesn't signal that all of a sudden some player is, is going to be able to make jumpers when he couldn't make the, You know, did somebody develop Tyler Harrow or did he just come in with a great shot? I mean, you know, the kid's 20 years old or something. So, you know, I, th- I think that gets overstated an awful lot. The head coach, you know, is the president of the team is going to make, you know, gonna, is going gonna, is gonna to set the agenda for what that team is. And the assistant coaches are there to carry out what he wants done. And, you know, Billy Donovan, you know, what this signals to me 
is, is that Billy Donovan is is taking control in in a very strong way, and and I think that's a good thing, uh, you know, because he's he's experienced, he's professional, and I think he's saying it's serious that we're going to do it my way, and uh, we're going to be committed to it in my philosophy, and you know, and and Arturis and you know Michael Reinsdorf, you know, support that, and so I think you know they're all to the cliche on the same page but i don't think it matters that much which particular assistant comes in because it's it's going to be billy's agenda now we're getting to the off season of the nba or you know if that is a thing anymore and kc probably wouldn't agree that that's a thing anymore as well as rob or or sam sam i want to know from you because you covered all of this, you've seen free agent moves, you've seen trade acquisitions, you've talked to people about Chicago as a destination. And over the years, you know, fan base, the fan bases wanted this team to swing for the fences and they haven't always hit. Uh, what is it about this as a destination in terms of the, maybe the legacy of Michael Jordan, some of the, 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 the stuff that is still mythical about, you know, how NBA players view the front office, even though Jerry Krause and those guys, you know, God bless his soul, aren't around anymore. Like what, what about this city, the cold weather, uh, the fact that you can go play uh, other places, income tax free, uh, the middle of America. What, what about Chicago isn't attractive enough as a destination and, and, and how should fans start to kind of recalibrate how this team should look going forward? Well, first of all, now that uh, Anthony Davis has won a title, it's obviously he's going to come home to Chicago to play, and, you know, because he's got his title and doesn't have to be in L.A. anymore. Right. Isn't, right. isn't that how it goes now? Yeah, that, that's been the most misstated narrative of all. There's nothing wrong with Chicago. First of all, there's like, you know, two free agents and 30 teams. I mean, basically, you know, for 10 years, the only free agent was LeBron. You know, as Casey knows, you know, being around in 2010, the Bulls got free agents. You know, Carlos Boozer was regarded as a top free agent then. He'd been on the Olympic team. He was an all-star. Like, if you had to tell a Bulls fan, you know, we can bring you a free agent who is, who is, um, who is an Olympian and an all-star and has been in the conference finals. Would you be excited? So that's, that's who they got. That's who they got. They got some others, you know, Kyle Korver, Watson, whatever. You know, who, who are all these free agents going to, you know, all these cities? Has Yeah, LeBron went to Miami. That was the big free agent. Now he's gone to L.A. <laughs> that's the free agent, you know. New York doesn't have any free agents. Philly doesn't have any free agents. Washington doesn't have any. You know, where, where's all these free, free agents? There's only like one or two guys who are, quote, free agents. And so, okay, you know, Durant just went to, you know, New York, Brooklyn, whatever. But it's not, it's not there's something wrong with Chicago or there's something wrong with management or there's something wrong with the other players. There's just there's 30 teams and there's two or three guys ever who make a move. So now it's, you know, Giannis. So if he doesn't come to Chicago, does that mean there's something wrong with Chicago? No, you know, uh, I, I don't know where he'll go, if he'll go. Uh, I kind of think he will go somewhere. I think Milwaukee's made some horrible uh, decisions, contract decisions that have, that have really tied them up and I really cripple them. But you know, maybe he'll stay. Who knows? But uh, at least the development part that Arturis talked about 
he's right about that. How it happens is a different thing. You got to develop basically your 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 own players, and that's you know okay. Milwaukee, you know Miami was able to hit Jimmy, and he had an exceptional you know run for the last couple of weeks. You know I agree with, you know with Casey on that, um, and it, you know a lot of teams in the NBA didn't see that coming, including you know several in which he left. So so you know was it going to continue on? You know who knows? Hopefully it does. Uh, you know, but but he's found his right spot, uh, and they say, well, he needs another high-level player to play with. I, I I tend to think that that would be injurious, as Jimmy likes to ha- be the guy, and you know that was part of the problem in Chicago. And if you put a Giannis with him, I think he would suffer somewhat. Um, but you know. Uh, Miami does a good job of that, but but I just I just think it's been an unfair notion about you know Chicago can't get free agents. Chicago has gotten free agents. <laughs> you know, uh, Casey knows Ben Wallace when he when the Bulls got him was a top free agent, four time Defensive Player of the Year. Chicago has gotten guy Powell came he when he had a cho- choice between San, uh, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Chicago, he came to Chicago. So so the Bulls have gotten free agents. It's just is the only one who really makes a difference. Yeah, they they, they just haven't gotten the, the game-changing ones that some people expect a big No, one. they haven't gotten LeBron. LeBron's the only one the, in the last 15 years, he's the only one who's made a difference. Who else has made a difference? You know, Durant made a difference, except they had already won 73 games. No, very true. No, I understand. But when, when, you know, Bulls fans see a guy like Jimmy, obviously Jimmy had his run here, but Jimmy goes to Miami and certain teams, I guess, certain fan bases expect for their teams to, to be in the running for top tier free agents, not just LeBron. And it seems as if Chicago has swung and missed more times than no, the Bulls. They were in the running. You know, Car- Carmelo said he regretted not coming to Chicago. He was going to come. And then, you know, New York ended up giving more money. The, the Bulls have been always there for whatever little contest it's been. It just hasn't really been a contest because it's basically all about LeBron. No doubt. Casey, now that uh, the season, I guess, I, I was reading something about from John Hollinger saying that the, the league, uh, it was going to have eight weeks notice ahead of whenever the next season is set to begin. And if that's the case, then – that date would have to be committed to on November 23rd. What does the rest of this look like? I mean, I know we have the draft on the 18th. Uh, I, I know there's a lot to still parse through in terms of off seasons, but you know, w- we're not going to be talking about a six month bubble, right? So like now today, the league starts and I'm sure before today, but officially today, the league starts to look forward to what the next season is going to look like and what this off season is going to look like. What's important in terms of scheduling and timing for you and some of the dates or some of the the movements that you'll be keeping up on over the next couple of weeks well the big one is and it's less for me and more for the teams is that they, they need the exact figures i mean they've obviously gotten some direction that there's it's probably not going to be you know a, a, a huge drop off phased out in one year that they're going to keep the best bri you know uh the bri will be down but keep the figures similar to that to the projections um you know to set the salary cap and the luxury tax figures Team, teams cannot operate until they have those numbers so they've been given some guidance on what they are and some direction what they are but until they get the specific numbers um really that's that's when the offseason starts for 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 real so yeah the, the virtual combine uh going on is is part of it um 
but uh, it's going to be, a, you know, like everything else that's been going on, it's going to be a weird off season because it's going to be an unprecedented draft. Free agency will be free agency. I think you'll see, um, I think you'll see very limited big, big money deals this, this off season. I think you're going to see a, a pretty static class because of, you know, just the uncertainty of the, the, the dollars moving forward and the uh, effects of both China and the pandemic on, on the, the league's bottom line. And then, you know, as far as the start date, uh, I think Silver's, Adam Silver's been very transparent. It's going to be about the science and trying to maximize the opportunity to get fans in arenas at some point next season and working with uh, Michelle Roberts on, on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> as Sam was talking about before, he hasn't been to the Advocate Center or the United Center in months. I was talking to my sisters the other day about, you know, small small detail in the grand scheme of things but this is the first time i've been on an airplane in uh seven months and i can't remember how long you know um yeah, yeah. it's just it's just all the rhythms of the nba and everything associated with it including our little you know pathetic lives <laughs> has, been, <laughs> has, been, has, has been has been disrupted and and, and altered and and this offseason will be just another example of that there, See, goes, our, there goes our airline status I, I got I got lifetime status, Sam. I don't know about you, man. I got lifetime status. Come on, nah. <laughs> Sam. You you mentioned something in the beginning of our conversation, and I think we can wrap with this. Uh, you know, there's a there's a baseball feel to what's happening with uh, analytics in terms of how the game is played on the basketball court, and a lot of people are. Uh, grimacing at the the idea of all of the uniformity that the offenses are running themselves with and, you know, layups, freeze and three pointers being the focus and the mid range game kind of going away, even though you see some of the best players in the league who operate in the mid range, like Kevin Durant, some of these other guys. Uh, and, and that baseball analogy is, you know, everybody wanted to see home runs and now it's strikeouts or home runs and not a lot of action going on during the game. Not a lot of things that, that make you, uh, feel like the entire game is being played. How do you think the game gets back to, or does it need to get back to some modicum of, of diversifying an offensive portfolio? Or is this just the way of the world? And this is evolution and you move forward. Is it going to take a team winning that way with, with, you know, a star like a Jimmy Butler who doesn't shoot a lot of three pointers uh, because even LeBron, I mean, a couple of games ago went six for nine and losing effort from the three point arc. And if you'd have told anybody that LeBron hit six threes in a game, you'd probably be thinking they're going to win it, but nobody else around him hit a lot of threes. And that's the way of the, the NBA today. What do you think is going to take to get back to that? Or does the game need to get back to it? Uh Oh, Oh, Tony, Tony, uh, put about six extra hours on the tape machine right here. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it uh, tight. You got the runway, Sam. You got the runway. Take off. Uh, well, I, I also I run the risk on this of the being the old man get off my lawn stuff. So I oh, have don't to worry. Do, Rob Schaefer's right here for you. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm going to get. I have a, to also, get a word in at the end. I, of it. I have to also be ca- cautious about that. In that, I I do believe things evolve and things always get better, and uh, the past is not better uh, than the future. Uh, but I do that think the, the That being said, I think the game really is facing an existential crisis because I think people are are looking at the NBA now and saying, I I didn't hear that much that the game is boring. And because because of 
you know, I know analytics people go, well, you know, we like free throws and layups and move, you know, we like everything too, but really it's about three. It's always been about the evolution has been about threes and the efficiency of shooting and all that sort of stuff. And it, 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 it's fine. You know, the three came into the game as a bonus. That was the idea that it was supposed to be some special at the end, at the end of the game or the end of the quarter, or somebody got way far down. It wasn't supposed to be, the essentially the, the basis of your offense, which, which it is for a, a, an awful lot of teams. And, you know, that's why I was kind of, you know, like baseball, I'm, I'm, many of us who are older grew up with, you know, baseball as the primary sport. And I miss that baseball. I miss, I like hit and run. I like stealing. I like all these stuff that they say, you know, you can't do now because it's stupid and, and it's inefficient. Um, but like you said, it involves the whole game and involves and, you know, every time it, it, it's so painful to watch a baseball game where they put all the fielders on one side and the guy will not hit to the other open side, uh, you know, and he's satisfied to, you know, take three big th- swings and strike out. So, you know, it's the same sort of element. So I, I understand that I'm, I'm a little bit in the past that, but I am hearing more people say more than I've ever heard that, and not just people who watch college ball who are, you know, basically boring, um, you know, that the NBA is becoming too predictable. Uh, and it shouldn't be with all the stars the NBA has, all the scoring, all the movement. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what, you know, I think it's time for some rule change. You know, early 2000s when they put in the zone rule, I wasn't quite, you know, wondered about it, uh, but it's been great. You know, it has opened things up and it's been, um, it's been a boon to the game. So it's gone 20 years now, and, and I just think the, the, the game needs a little adjustment. I don't know whether it's getting rid of the corner three or moving out the line or something. I'm not sure what it is, you know, extending the court, which you're not going to do because they take out the expensive seats, assuming people can ever come back to the games. You know, but obviously players have outgrown the game in some sense. You know, the 94.50 was set up for guys who were five five foot ten. Um, so – it, it, I, I just think something uh, needs to be done. I'm not sure what it is, but I think I, I, I think the game is facing a crisis. So, Rob, before I uh, before I hand it over to you, because I know you got some things to say, probably that wasn't too long. No, that was that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say I'll say this for all the people who think the game is too predictable, and you know you can always tell who's going to win. I want those same people to be around when it gets real random when when LeBron retires. I want those same people to uh, to watch as much NBA as they ever wanted because you're, you're going to be able to you know spin the dial and find yourself an NBA champion or some or, or different NBA Finals participants. I think when he's uh, when he wraps it up, and I want to see if those same people are enthused by the game I think I think some of that stuff is just for people who don't already like the NBA and then they look for reasons to not like it more uh, Rob your, your thoughts on some of the things that Sam professed about uh, the way basketball or where basketball is going I should say yeah I, yeah I don't know that I have uh, like a, a confrontational or an argumentative take. oh well then we can't do it if we're not gonna argue and fake outrage each other to death come on Rob yeah. Yeah. I should, I should learn that by now, uh, but, but yeah, I, I just think it's um it's a matter of, of differing perspectives on it. I, I struggle with the premise of um, badly needing uh, to change, you know, basic kind of parameters with the rules of the game, because I, I just personally am not um, 
bored or or find the game overly predictable um, or find things, you know, mundane in a game the way that uh, maybe others do. And I really think that might ultimately just be a product of uh, I only have so much of a frame of reference of what basketball looks like. Uh, and I, I don't have a, as as broad a, a perspective on how the game has uh, evolved over time. Um, but I but the thing is, you, you could point to kind of empirical measures of, well, if the ratings are down and we know it's a, a, a product of an amalgam of factors, you know, one being the competition across sports, you know, in this kind of twisted, messed up year, um, you know, some being the, the impact of the, uh, the China controversy from the beginning of the year. And maybe a product of it is has to do with play style or has to do with a lack of parity um, or things like that. So, so in that case, maybe rule adjustments, I, I could totally um, see the validity of. I, I just think the, the conversation around analytics oftentimes gets um, a little bit too broadly painted as mm-hmm. um, the, the threes layups, the stewing the mid-range thing. Like you said, Jason, some of the best players in the league um, specialize in mid-range jumpers. You know, Golden State, I think, is thought of as um, the team that kind of ushered in uh, the three-point boom. Um, they were still in those years uh, when they were at the peak of their dynasty taking uh, as high of a frequency of their shots from the mid-range as anybody. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a belabored talking point. Uh, that's not new info. So I, I just really think analytics is more um, thinking critically about the ways that we can maximize um, efficiency within the framework of the game uh, itself. But if people think that the results are, uh, you know, for some reason, not conducive to, to, to being peak entertaining and that there's evidence to back that up, um, then, yeah, the construct has to change because you can't tell people to stop thinking about ways that you can hack uh, the game and play most to your players' strengths um, and things like that. And, and the one thing I'd nitpick about the Jimmy Butler thing, and our colleague at NBC, uh, Tom Haverstow, wrote a great column about this last week. Um, he actually is an analytics darling, if there ever was one, in the NBA yep. because, as you mentioned, Sam, analytics people, we do love free throws. Um, it's the most uh, the most efficient shot in basketball is a two shot trip to the foul line, um, you know, it, it, even more than uh, than your average three pointer, pretty much uh, irrespective of um, a shooter's percentage. Um, so so they're you know, to say that the Heat aren't, you know, a modernly inclined team just wouldn't be right to me, not only for Jimmy, uh, but for a lot of the other aspects of how they play when you look at the movement that they play with the fluidity um, you know, a, a big man like Bam, you know, there, there are all these aspects that, that make up uh, the modern profile of a team um, that go beyond kind of the just threes and layups, um, you know, mentality. I, I do think it's a shame though, that um, the way that it seems like this, uh, this way of thinking about basketball was introduced into Chicago was in um, kind of the failing effort that it was last year. And I think it's maybe soured, oh, yeah. um, Kind of the it's I don't I don't think that that was you know in the truest sense what we saw last year from the Bulls, um, you know what analytics would dictate. Uh, but now I'm rambling, and again I, I don't know what the point I don't know what the the point to be made is. Um, it might just be a, a differing perspective thing, and um, yeah, we'll see. I mean I, I'm always down to shake things up. I'm always down you know bring the three point line out at a four point shot. I, adding a four point shot would probably only make things worse. Um, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's an interesting conversation. It's one that um, I think is better served as a back and forth as opposed to, um, you know, uh, argumentative or anything like that, which again, we're not oh, doing, yeah. but he's done in a lot of corners. And I think that um, so is divide. And that's a problem that we have that, uh, that like Michael Jordan transcends sports. Um, so I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what point I'm trying to make here, but um, I love basketball and, uh, yeah, like, like Sam said, I, I, I love to see how it evolves. 
the future is uh, usually better than the past, and I'll be interested to see what what the future looks like. Now, Sam's got me thinking of like a, a three point triangle at the top of the arc instead of like an arc, because eliminating that whole corner three thing. Sam's got my mind working. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we love hearing you. We love reading your stuff, and uh, it is a, a pleasure to be uh, joined by such a legendary figure, not only in this city but nationally as an NBA writer. So we appreciate you time sir well it's good to talk to you but i got way more to say (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have to do part two when i don't have e-learning in about an hour (laughs) i'm not done all right good to talk to you guys take care appreciate you sam (laughs) casey johnson rob schaefer i'm jason goff our digital content producer tony gill as always thanking you for listening to another episode of the bulls talk podcast we hope you enjoyed the Bulls Talk podcast presented by Coors Light. Find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe if you like the show. Feel free to rate and review us. New episodes are ready every Tuesday and Friday morning. We'll talk to you soon. But until then, be safe and take care of each other. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.